Colossians chapter 4. We will pick up where we left off last week. Ephesians chapter 4. Quick, very quick review so we can move forward in this. Now, what we learned was that we have a calling. That calling is to do what? Make known the wisdom of God, right? The church has a calling to make known the wisdom of God, to make God known, and to bring God glory in the church. A very high calling to which Paul, in chapter 4, then says, well, I urge you to walk worthy of that calling. And how, we work, and how do we walk worthy of that calling? As children, as children of God, as his body of Christ, we are to endeavor to do what? Strive to keep what? What is it? We've, we've done this two weeks in a row. All right, it's the third week. What's that? Unity in the Spirit. Okay, not just unity by itself, but unity in the Spirit. Where, where when God's people are unified in the Spirit, or actually when all of God's people are following the leadership of the Holy Spirit and God's Word, we're going to be unified as a byproduct. So anytime a, a church body is not unified or they're divided on something other than just opinions, then the unity of the Spirit is not there. And when it's not there, we must seek to find the unity in the Spirit through the Scripture. So, so endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. And then, then um, it says that Christ gave men in the church certain gifts, which are what? Some apostles, some prophets, some preachers, some teachers, evangelists. Now, for what purpose? You remember what this one is? What is it? For, for equipping of the saints, training the saints for what specific task? The ministry, right? Now, who are the saints? All right, raise your hand if you're one of those. Okay, all right, so we got to get an idea. So it's training you for the purpose to do what? Ministry, right, for the edifying and the building up of the body. Now, there's a, there's a reason why that, that, um, that we do this training. It's for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, until you come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of Christ. We all strive for that level. And the reason, and, uh, and also part of that, that, um, that equipping the saints is so that you do not fall away, and so that you won't be taken by the deceitful lies of the world and the devil and the cunning craftiness of men, so that you can stand firm in what you know to be true, and you won't be shaken. That's the reason why we equip the saints for ministry, as well as it gives us the ability to put into practice that what we have trained by doing what verse 15 says, speaking the truth in love. Walk worthy of the Spirit by maintaining this, the unity in the Spirit, by equipping the saints for ministry and getting out and doing ministry. That is, what, that is how we walk worthy of this calling. And when we do all of these things properly the way that God has called us to do, and what Christ has moved us to do, in verse 15 it says, By speaking the truth in love that you may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working of every part does its share, causes growth within the body for the edifying of itself. Now, this growth of the body is what we all want to see, 
All right, we want to see the growth there. We want to see um, people coming to know Christ. We want people to come to our church and as a, as a sign that you know, we're doing something for the cause of Christ and God's blessing through that. We want to see growth within the body. And um, so what do we do about church growth? Now, what, is, what are some things that we can derive from this? And it says, I want to see church growth. We see the effective way to do it. We see a model that's put before us here to, um, to, to cause the growth. You know, we don't actually do the growing, but we actually are the cause, the work of it, that God can bless and grow his church. So when it comes to um, church growth, what we're going to do briefly this morning is we're going to go through some things that just don't work. Some things that have been been put out in the past that may have worked a little bit in the past, but no longer work now. And then we're also going to go into a, a a short list of things that people may think might work, but in fact could just cause more problems. So whenever we're looking for something to do, a lot of times it is very beneficial for us to take a look at what doesn't work so we don't fall in that trap. But what we'll find is, is things that people usually are drawn to are things that people have tried before in the past and just have failed. And then we'll actually look at what, what God calls us to do. All right, so you ready for this? We got through one point last week, and we'll, we'll briefly go over this one. So what to do about church, grow, church growth, specifically Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16, with taking the entire um, previous verses in this chapter in consideration. What used to work that doesn't anymore. You know, the challenge for us today is to know what has stopped working and what hasn't stopped working. You know, what we got, um, what we want to do here is we have to have an understanding. You know, as, as a church, we have to understand that, you know, what got us to where we are now will not get us over there to where we want to be. Okay? So that's when we have to have, have, have an understanding. And some things that just don't work anymore. And the first thing that we, that we talked about last week was assuming that young adults will return to church. Where they grow up in church and they go away and they come back. Or, or, the, uh, or whenever they just become to, um, come to adulthood, they get married, they have children, they come back to church. Or they come to church. That used to be the culture. Okay? That used to be the social norm was for whenever you, you grew up. The Sunday morning was you just go to church. Right? So how, how many of you grew up in that culture? Okay, we have an understanding of that, but that culture is long gone. So used to, it used to be a safe assumption that we could hang out and people would come in to our building because it was a social norm and then we could reach them there and we could minister to them and then see, and, um, and they would receive the gospel and then they, they would be, we could continue building them up in discipleship. But those days are not here anymore. Okay, we cannot assume that people will come into us. We must reach out to them. So, so, so being, we have to do something that's more than just being here. It's no longer a safe assumption to believe that young adults will come after they get out on their own. That culture is long gone. And we'll touch a little bit more on that in a different point. So assuming young people or young adults or anybody for that matter will just come. That's not a safe assumption anymore. Next. Being better than other churches. All right. How many of y'all have ever thought, well, we're better than other churches? Or that church is better than us? Okay, well, the world doesn't care (laughs) which church is better. Think about that for a moment. Okay, it's not about being a better church. Well, if we focus on being a better church than the other church down the road, then we're competing with the wrong people, for one. 
You know, if someone is, if another church is growing within our community, we should be able to glory and to glory, give God glory for their, for their growth. If in fact it is through the preaching and the teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and bringing about life transformation by the truth of God's word. So it's not about being the better church. Used to, when the social norm was when people would go to church automatically, you might get some clout, you might get some mileage by being the better church. Now, don't misunderstand me. I think we should be the best church we possibly can, but not for the sake of being the best church on the block. <clears throat> so offering, so whenever we, we may go, be able to go to the world and offer them a better church is something similar to showing up to a barbecue cook-off and offering them the very best tofu salad. Not that churches, I guess I probably should have switched those, but... But the thing about it is, is whenever we go offering the world the better church, it's something that they're not really appealed to or interested in to begin with. Okay, now if you might get some, you might get some points. You might be able to pull some people in by that, by that, um, by that objective. But however, this is not going to bring about church growth. This is a wrong approach to doing it. It may have worked in the past, whenever the social norm was that people would just go to church and they would look for the best one they could find. But now, in the society in which we live, you're offering them something that they have no appeal to to begin with. And you're actually offering them the wrong thing. You don't want to offer them a church home, you want to offer them Jesus Christ in doing that. So, so, the, so the objective there of being a better church used to work, but it no longer does. Also another thing that used to work, is, that no longer works, is gimmicks. Gimmicks, you know, the big attention-grabbing stunts building elaborate sets for every sermon that is every sermon series that is preached in hope of captivating people by the ooh and the ah and the, the shock factor that can be delivered to to the people in that. Now it will captivate people. Okay? You will get the attention, but it won't last for very long. It's really hard to keep that up and to maintain that because you have to understand what you use to get people here is what you have to keep giving them to keep them here. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, but whatever you attract people with, that's what you have to use to keep people here. And gimmicks will get old very fast. Now, also something we have to understand is what we are competing with when we're trying to give them the oohs and the ahs and the, the shock and the wow, the wow factor in doing that. And what you are competing with is every man, woman, and child in America almost has a smartphone. They are entertained all the time. You can, you can put something together for an ooh and an ah wow factor and they'll be able to Google something that is so much better. <laughs> right? So the gimmicks may have worked in the past to captivate people for a short time, but it's something that is almost impossible to maintain. If we try to sell Sunday is going to be even bigger and better than this Sunday. And then that Sunday is going to be better than the next Sunday. And the next Sunday will be better than the next. What you're going to find is you'll end up lying to them and losing because it's almost an impossibility to maintain. So gimmicks are not what we want to offer. Now, I'm not, I'm not against having those moments of... Um, those moments of surprise, those fun moments, those powerful moments, and, and doing something on, on occasion, but those are going to be moments, okay? 
that, that, we, that we can do. The best thing I think that we should do as a, as a church of the living Christ is that we, we carve our, uh, carve our uh, services down and make a whole lot about Jesus Christ. That's going to be what we ought to do. And if we, can, if we can pull people in with Jesus Christ, it's easy to keep them with Jesus Christ. And it's sufficient. And God's word is enough to those who believe. <clears throat> so in doing that, so like I said, don't, don't misunderstand me. You know, I think you know, we can have those fun moments. But they need to be moments. And gimmicks just don't work anymore because there's way too, t- way too much um, competition for the wow factor. There's a reason why there's a best-selling book called Simple Church. Okay, in, in the, um, in, you know, many years in the past, what you will find is that almost, almost in any bookstore you will find, even 20 years ago, where they were writing books about the best way to cause church growth. And now, guess what they're doing? Guess what the books are being written about now? Those books no longer work anymore. This is what we do, and the common factor is getting back to the basics of the church and what its purpose is when it comes to church growth. All right, the next thing that does not, that used to work, that may, have not, that, uh, that may have worked in the past but no longer works, is a church with a self-centered mission. Now, what do I mean by this? A church with a self-centered mission, you know, as a church, you've got to be careful to not make the mission about your own church. Our mission is not about First Baptist Church alone, okay? Yes, we are concerned with First Baptist Church, but not alone. There's an overarching purpose for why God has us here, and it's to build his kingdom. So whenever you're going out and you're witnessing to people and you find out they're from out of town, you still want to witness to them, even though they're not going to be a member of your church, right? Because the work that we're doing is about the work of the kingdom of God and not solely the work of First Baptist Church alone. Okay, so, so we don't want to be a self-centered church um, in, in our motives and in our mission. Now, this is what I, this is what I, um, now what I did is, I guess this past week is I, I, uh, I posted something on Facebook and it went, I guess, semi-viral. And it, what it tells me is that people are actually getting connected with this. Um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a little picture of a lady at Jesus' feet. And this is what I wrote down and typed and, and posted on Facebook. It says, the mission that leads people to the doorstep of our building has too often replaced the mission of leading people to the feet of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. All right, it says, the mission that, the mission that leads people to the doorstep of our church building has too often replaced the mission of leading people to the feet of Jesus Christ. Now, what our objective here is to introduce people to Jesus Christ. We want to give them the gospel that brings about salvation, that, brings, that will lead them to a place of repentance and trust and faith in Jesus Christ and him alone for their salvation. It's not only about bringing them into a church building. It's not about that. It's about, it's about a life-changing relationship with God the Father through the work that Christ did on the cross of Calvary. That is our mission. It's not only about building First Baptist Church, but we are to take the gospel to the world and lead them to Jesus. We have a, we have a ministry of reconciliation, not to First Baptist, but to Jesus Christ, but to God the Father through Jesus Christ. And we need to make that, make, and we need to make that a priority. Now, if, if I want someone to go to church, I'm going to want them to come here, obviously. But my number one objective is to introduce them to Jesus Christ. Christ. The true mission isn't about our church alone. It's about the church 
and the overall purpose of Jesus Christ, and that's to reach the entire world with his gospel and his truth. That makes sense? All right, next. And the last one concerning what may have worked in the past but does not work anymore, this one may get some eyebrows raised. Programs, programs, programs. Programs, programs, programs. Now, the bigger the church gets, now this is, this is research that I have compiled together. I did not come up with all of this stuff on my own, okay? So you have to understand, I did not go through hundreds and hundreds of churches and, and interview people. These are people who I have referenced um, in this, in this, in this uh, message this morning that have been there, they've done that, they've done the research. And this is what they're finding out about the, the programs. The bigger the church gets, the more you'll be tempted to add programs. Why? The question is asked. Well, because one reason and one reason only, people demand them. People demand them. And you have a leader that is either afraid to disappoint people or lacks an alternative strategy, they cave to allow dozens, if not hundreds, of random programs to emerge within the church. Now, these, these programs can be good with the proper perspective and with the proper end in mind. But if we go to a program with that being the end of all, as opposed to a means to an end, then we have got the cart before the horse. <clears throat> but programs in and of themselves will not bring about church growth. Offering programs will not bring about church growth. Um, these programs can be counterproductive in a, in a, few, a few of the ways, and this is one of the ways that they listed, is that all these programs, they compete for stuff. They compete with one another. And what do you think they compete for? Money, time, and attention. Anytime you start a program, it requires those three things, do they not? And if you have several programs around, everyone who's working in that one specific program thinks that their program is the priority, Right? And whenever money may, be, may get shy, whenever people get shy to give attention and time to get shy, those things will start to diminish. Start to diminish. Like I said, I'm not against programs as long as they are a means to an end and not the end in themselves. So we have to be careful because what happens is whenever what people become involved in becomes their mission. So you have to be careful in your selection in doing so. Sometimes, they, sometimes, the, um, sometimes these programs can cause division rather than unity. Well, what do you mean by that, Billy? Have you ever tried to shut one down? They try to shut down a women's ministry or a men's prayer breakfast or something like that. You will see a division there. They become their own mission and they compete with the overall mission of the church. And whenever that starts to happen, it's, it's, time, it's time to you know, start taking a look at a different approach in doing these things. But like I said, I'm, I'm not against programs. If the end in mind... Um, of, of, of discipleship and reaching the world for the cause of Christ, but the programs are never the end. They can be a means to an end if very carefully selected but and, and maintained, but they're never the end in themselves. And, they're, and they are seeing, um, even, even within the Southern Baptist Convention and Lifeway and their books, they're saying that we have actually created a problem by selling the, uh, the idea that the programs are the end of the means and not the means themselves. That actually comes from Tom Rainer himself, the president of Lifeway. He says that he, he regrets in some way is making the big deal about programs. Now, I, I know that you, got, you guys have had, had them before in the past, like Awana. It's a great program, but it takes a lot of time, a lot of attention, and a lot of money. And there's a reason why we probably don't have it anymore, right? Either didn't have the time, the money, or the attention to give to it, or it was just not working any longer. It wasn't bringing about the growth that maybe had been anticipated by having that program plugged in and being able to offer that. 
<coughs> so just having an objective understanding as far as the way, this, the, way the culture is now today and what, what it has worked in the past, it no longer works today. So what we're wanting to do. Now, another, another question was asked about the random programming and why it does not work. And one guy said this, it's simple. He says, because random programming pleases insiders and rarely reaches outsiders. And just like offering someone the better church to a world that's not really interested in it to begin with, good programs don't appeal to the worldly people. They seek to satisfy the people within the church as opposed to reaching the people out of the church. And we have to be very, very careful on the, on the ends, on the end of what we're looking for to get out of these programs if we institute them. So instead of having programs that may, that may, that may not lead to the end that we're looking for, we need to, to be strategic, we need to be focused, and we need to do whatever we must do that will motivate people to get into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and do everything we possibly can to advance our mission to the immediate culture around us. That is the end that we need to be looking for in that. So these are some things that may have worked in the past, but they no longer work now because the world is just different. All right. So now we're going to go into just a couple of things that I want to address that some people may think, well, if we just did this, then we might grow. And guess what? People have tried just about everything that we could possibly think and to their own failure is, is, what, is what they have discovered. So, so things that will not make a church grow, no matter how much we think that they might. You know, you may have said or may have thought in your, in your mind, and I've even had some of these thoughts. You know, we might have said a combination of these, that we might grow if we change venues. If we just change location, if we go out and we build another building, and we move to that place where we're better seen and where we have better traffic flow, and, you know, we might be able to grow if we were in a new building somewhere else. That's not necessarily the case. Now, there's many different reasons for which you might want to change venues, but an expectation of growth is not one of those reasons. That is not a good reason to change. Now, what happens, and a lot of churches have done, they, they have taken that idea and said, well, we're just going to build a new building and we're going to move to a better place. It'll be a fresh building, fresh, fresh, um, fresh place. People will it'll catch it with their eye and people will come in. Yes, that may happen. It will happen for maybe a short time, but remember what you brought them in with is usually what is required to keep them there. So be ready to start building a bunch of new buildings on and on and on again. But also what has happened with churches, they, is they, they use this as an attempt to bring about church growth, and then they go and they build this building. They get in, they get in debt that they can't afford, but the expectation that we'll be able to grow, and therefore with that growth we'll be able to afford to pay the bills, and then if we afford to pay the bills, then everything will be good because we will have grown. Folks, we don't want to, I'm not saying that anybody's come to me this, but that, kind, that type of thought is, is not good. We want to reach people in our community so they can come in and help take care of our debt. That's not what we want to do. So changing venues is not always a good idea. And if you want to just change venues and think that changing venues will cause church growth, many, many, many churches have failed in, failed in that expectation. So, so changing venues or getting better technology, light, sound, video. I mean, all these things can add something, but, th but that in and of themselves will not bring about church growth. Merging with other churches um, is another thought that we can bring about church growth. Merging churches may give you increase in numbers in one location, but there's still no growth there. And mostly, most likely what you're going to have is you're going to compile problems whenever you bring them together. And I'm not against merging but, however, there needs to be 
a plan and a purpose for doing it, and it needs to be clearly stated uh, if you decide to move into, some, move into that um, type of a thinking. So, so what do we do whenever we're looking at this? You know, changing venues, getting better, getting better things and kind of uh, um, adding a better form or a better look to these things. It's not necessarily what we want to do. Now, whenever it comes to this type of thinking um, and just kind of fluffing things up and making them better on the outside, there is a famous 20th century advertising guru named David Ogilvie. Now, this is what he says. He says that great marketing just makes a bad product fail faster. I'm not saying that we have a bad product, but, but this, is, this is something that you have to understand here. Good advertising does not make a product better. Changing a venue in a church does not make the people work any differently. Okay, it doesn't automatically throw things into the right order and, and cause things to happen in, in, in doing that. Whenever churches are not growing, it's not that they're not growing because of venue or technology. That's, why they're, that's, that's not the reason. The reason why the churches are not growing and the reason they're stagnant and dying is because they're not connecting with people and effectively fulfilling the mission that Jesus Christ has given them. That's why churches are stagnant and dying in this. So as a result, in most cases, a change in venue will simply move your current problems to a new location. Let me think about that for a second. You know, if I've got a coffee cup and the coffee is getting cold, if I take it and move it to the other corner of my desk, it's not going to warm it up or freshen it. Okay, Moving a church into a different location does not change the substance within that church. It changes form, it changes location, but doesn't change the substance within that church. New technology will only magnify the current irrelevance that the church may be faced with. Emerging with other ministries or adding locations will only compound the problems and the current ones that you have, and it will create even new ones. The trap that we want to avoid is believing that a change in form will be an adequate substitute for a change in substance within the body of Christ. The changing in form will not bring about a change in substance. Any change in form will never make up for a change in substance. You know, it is said that a substantive change is the only thing that will change the true trajectory of a church or any organization. It's a substance change. We're talking about change in function. If you think about it this way, you can put, a new, you can put new siding on a house, but if it's got a broken foundation, it's still a house with a broken foundation. It's got a new siding and it looks pretty, but it's no different on the inside. You can paint a car with a brand new paint job, shiny wheels, and new tires. But if the, but if the engine is seized, you're still not going to go anywhere. And I don't mean this as a pun for you Razorback fans, but you can put lipstick on a pig, right? And it's still a pig. It's still a pig. So all of those things, you know, make it look better, and it, and it gives it a better appearance, and it changes the form even of those things, but it doesn't actually change the substance. It's still a house with a broken foundation. It's still a car with a seized engine, and it's still a pig, even though its lips may be prettier than what it was to begin with. So until we substantively change the way that we function, any change in our form will be ineffective. If you, if you change the venue... Changing a venue won't help a dying church. You'll just move a dying church to a different location. Better media, it will not help a dying church grow. Adding new campuses will not help a dying church grow. Merging churches, two or three dying churches together, will not, will not um, cause a dying church to grow. You know, you can only beat a dead horse 
so long, right? So whenever we find out we're riding a dead horse, what are we supposed to be doing? Y'all remember that sermon? Yeah, when you find that you're riding a dead horse, the best thing to do is dismount and get a new horse. And this one here, as far as merging two or three dead horses together, oh, there we go, back up. Yeah, merging two or three dead horses to get together, you know, you can put 10 horses together. You're not going to increase your speed one bit. So we have to understand, so a change in form is not a substitute for a change in substance or the way that we function and the way that we operate ourselves. But buildings, technologies, all these things, I want you to understand, they can help. They can help. But just like the programs, they're a means to an end, but not the end and of themselves. We cannot expect to make all these changes, something like this, and expect growth to happen. It just will not happen automatically. Because why? If we're focusing on doing these things, that's not part of the mission that Jesus Christ has given us. But even though they can be a means to an end and not the end themselves, the church has to grow by reaching new people. And all these things can help, but none of these things are a silver bullet. You know, we may have to make some adjustments as we move forward as God chooses to grow his church as we are obedient to the mission that he's called us to, to do. But in doing this, and kind of balancing everything out, especially in the, in, the, um, in the culture in which we live, we must have a balanced approach to how we go forward. You know, we should be more concerned with addressing the substance as opposed to the form of our church, there are the, the inner workings of, of the people and what we are doing as opposed to fluffing the things around us out in order to draw people in. We must attack the issues of substance before we tackle the issues of form. So, so I've given us quite a bit of a list and probably every single one of those you've had some type of experience with um, in, in the past and you have an understanding of. So, so now that we've spent some time saying, you know, and talking about what will not work, what will work? That's a good question, isn't it? That's probably what you are wanting. So you can stand up there and tell us, you know, how much you know, stuff doesn't work, but it doesn't really help until you tell us what will work. Now, Jesus did say a few things that are very important. You know, it says he said all, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him, and he has commissioned his church to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and in the Holy Spirit, and ten, and continue to teach them the things that Jesus Christ taught. As we as we went into the book of Ephesians chapter four, is what we saw here. Our calling is to make the wisdom of God known, to bring God glory in His church, and we walk worthy worthy of that calling by maintaining unity, equipping the saints for ministry, and getting out and practicing ministry. That is the plan that God has called us to do. Now, like I said, a lot of these things can be a means and they can help. Okay? But it can be all done without that. My, my question is, is what Jesus has called us to do, to evangelize the world, to make disciples of all nations, are we fully equipped to do just that? It's kind of a rhetorical question, but some response is good here. Yes, we are fully equipped we are equipped with the Word of God. We are training, we're off, we are offering training for all of you to be a part on Wednesday nights and you can select these classes that have been carefully selected for you. And whenever we start back up in January on these classes, you're going to have some different opportunities. We're going to get into, you know, how to share your faith. That's going to be one that's going to be big. And it's going to be a very, it's going to be a very, um, um, a very involved type of training where we will critique one another, we'll talk to one another and go through these things. That's going to be it. And then we'll go into apologetics probably next year somewhere so you can give an, ac an accurate defense of your faith. I am, I am looking to train the church to be fearless 
you know, defenders of the faith and putting us out and giving us opportunities to get out into the world to reach our community for Christ. And what we saw here is from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working in which every part does its share causes growth. Okay, none of these things can be a silver bullet. No one person can be a silver bullet. It requires every single person within the body of Christ doing their share of the work which is going out and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world around us. The Great Commission worked then, and it still works today. We can't, we've got to stop thinking that adding on our programs and putting our spin and our flavor on the gospel of Jesus Christ in order to make it better. We don't, it doesn't need that. It doesn't need your help. It doesn't need my help. We just need to get out there and be obedient to the call of Christ. We need to walk worthy of the call that Christ has called us to do. Maintain unity in the faith, grounded in the word of God. Train one another, encourage one another in the ministry of the gospel of Jesus. And let's get out and let's do it. That's what we are called to do. And I believe that the Lord can bless our efforts. Now, naturally, I don't think I can make your church grow. Excuse me. I don't think I can make our church grow. I don't think you can make our church grow. But I do believe that we can position ourselves in a place where God can use us to bring about growth of his kingdom. We position ourselves in obedience to him and fulfilling the call and walking worthy of the call that he has called us. It puts us in a place where everyone does their share and it will cause growth of the body in doing so. Now, churches are stagnant and dying, as I said earlier, not because, not because of what they don't have, but because we're not connecting with people and effectively fulfilling our mission. Now, I have promised to give you a task two weeks ago. How many of y'all have given any thought to that since then? How many of you are eager to know what it is? Nope. Oh, we got two or three. The rest of y'all can go. We'll... Okay, it's a soft pitch. Okay, now what we're going to do is for next week, we're going to allow our Sunday morning service to be an outreach evangelistic event. In that, I want you to go out and I want you to invite people to come to our church. As I said earlier, our mission to bring people to the foot of our doorstep has often, too often replaced bringing people to the feet of Jesus. But I'm giving you a soft pitch here, okay? We're actually going to put an effort in an evangelistic um, in an evangelistic opportunity to bring people to this house and I will preach a gospel-centered message that, um, that will be the truth of the gospel and people will have an opportunity to respond to that. Now, what does that do for you? One, I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you this week to invite at least five people. And I'm going to give you cards to do so. Now, on, on one side of the card, it's got our church information, it's got our office number and website. So that kind of links people to our church. And on the other side, it's, it's another website. It's called truelife.org where they can go and they can, they can look up all of these different, all these different topics. And some, some of these, some of these uh, videos are anywhere between five minutes long to 45 minutes long. But they answer life's really tough questions. Questions about archaeology, abortion, Bible, homosexuality, evolution, depression, Jesus, Mormonism, Noah's Ark, pornography. A lot of those things that would be are great videos for people to be able to go and reference. But this is also on our website too. 
So you can, so you can say you can go to this website for these questions or drive them to our website and then say, so these are some, some, uh, some videos that are there that will help you on life's questions. Now, I'm going to play a short video. Do we have a video ready? Okay, I'm going to play a short video, and then I'm going to talk about this just for a few minutes. Um, and then, we will, then we'll, we'll finish up. And we're here at Thomas Road Baptist Church to help show you how easy it is to evangelize and invite people with these TrueLife.org invitation cards. Good to see you guys. Happy to be here. Thank you for coming. So we're encouraging evangelism and invitation in churches, not just Thomas Road Baptist Church, but your church as well. I'm sure your pastor probably gave you a TrueLife.org card today to hand out. And these cards are so unique because it takes the fear away from evangelism and invitation. That means that we don't have to be afraid of the questions that might be asked or the time it's going to take. We're not having a starting point. What if the recipient is afraid of going to church? Well, they can easily go online and get free video answers to questions like, how do we get the Bible? Why do bad things happen? Where do you go when you die? Does God love gay people? Is Mormonism true? Are Jehovah Witnesses right? And the list goes on and on for any worldview. And then, of course, they can easily find your church on the Church Finder. Hey, Will, so we're pulling up to a gas station right now, and all I need you to do is just go out and simply say, hey, I'd love to have you come to my church on Sunday. If you have any questions, you can go online and get video answers, okay? Okay. All right, here we go. <laughs> God bless you. I'm praying for you, okay? See what happens. Hi, excuse me. How you ladies doing? Yeah, I don't know if you go to a church anywhere in the area, but I'd like to invite you to Thomas Road Church. See here. And, uh, and if you don't have any time to make it to church right yet, you can see on the back, uh, truelife.org, where you get free video answers to life's hard questions. And there's all kinds of different videos on there to answer questions people have, like, is there a God? Why do we suffer? Things like that. So take a look at it. Remember the Lord loves you. Well... Do you feel better right now? I mean, do you feel relieved that, you know, at first you feel like a little bit... A little nervous at yeah. first, yeah. But now I know you, I'm, I've given opportunity to people to find answers in God's Word, and that's, that's exciting, you know? That's awesome. Well, you did a great job. And, and they seem to be very open to it. Sure. You know? Would you suggest the same for people watching? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Go out and do it. It's easy. Katrina, it's your turn. Oh, yes. We're going to have some fun. Yes. You ready to do this? Yes. I'm We're a bit nervous, though. You are? Yeah, I'm a little nervous for you, too. I know you're going to do well, though. Because so, I've I'm, never done this before. I always <laughs> wanted to, but I'm nervous, but well, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm praying for you, sister. I know you're going to do fun. Here we are. This is good. Hey, you want to talk? You can talk to her. Hi. How are you? Fine. Yeah. This is, I would love to come, uh, you to come to my church next week. You don't week. go to church. You don't go to church. You know, you can go online, too, if you want to. Do you, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she didn't want to do it. So what you do is you keep going. Okay. And someone else will, someone else will take the card yeah. that she didn't want to. Mm -hmm. Do you go to church? Sometimes. Oh, great. That's good. So I would love to see you, I mean, come over to my church next week. And um, if you, for some reason, if, you, if you, you're not ready, you can always go onto this website, like truelife.org. And uh, there are some free video answers. Okay. Well, there are a lot of questions we have sometimes. And there are a lot of videos explaining those questions. And you can always go and check those videos and have the answers. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. It's nice meeting you. Have a great day. God you bless. too.
Hey, Will. Yeah. Man, we had a great time in there. Oh, yeah. Katrina surprised me. I mean, I, I knew she was going to do good, but she did really, really good. Thank you. <laughs> you did. Well, you know what happened? What happened? Uh, initially, there was um, one lady who didn't, um, you know, didn't want to do take the card yeah. and she was like no I'm not gonna come to church and I was really you know <laughs> but then I didn't give up yeah. and he was with me and we went on ahead and we gave the cards to a lot of people and surprisingly it was really it wasn't really hard and no. they were really receptive and I loved it yeah. yes well I'm so thankful that you just did my job I don't have to explain nearly as much anymore to you back in the sanctuaries we're not a different person than you. We are made in God's image just like you are, and every Christian has the opportunity to do this. And I can promise you from the bottom of my heart that there is nothing better than to share your faith with people. So I'm challenging you today, share your faith, hand out these cards, and see what God can do in your life and in the lives of others. All right. Now, you may look at this and say, this kind of contradicts what a, a few things that you said, and it does. Okay, it does. The reason why I'm going at this approach, this is a stepping stone for all of us to start engaging people in our community. God has not called us to hand out cards and invite them to church and to drive them to a website. But however, this is a step into a direction where it will where if you will take the challenge, you will engage people and just invite them to church. And the next step from here is evangelism training, and we will, um, and we will start preaching the gospel um, and being trained with the gospel of Jesus and going out and actually fulfilling that. This is just a stepping stone. So I'm giving us an opportunity to be a presence in our community, to drop these cards off to people, to make connections, invite them to our church, to show them, that, um, show them that we are a church that loves them, that we are a church that preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. They can hear the gospel message through the preaching from this pulpit, and then um, and we'll pray that God will convict their hearts and they will give their lives to Jesus. And we can see, and we can see um, uh, God work in this effort here. So, so understand, this is, not a, this is not an end, but it's a means to an end. So I want to be very, very, very... Um, uh, very transparent here. I think this is a good thing for us to do, to target it as an evangelistic event for next Sunday morning in, in order to gather people to preach the gospel of Jesus and then do so. So that's, so that's what I want us to have, have an understanding of. So, what, so all, all you'll do is whenever you, you'll, you'll have a card. I've got, I've got them in bundles of five. Now what I would like is for every single person to commit to taking five and giving them out this week. Okay? Man, woman, and child. Even if you have a young child, I would like, this is what I would like to happen, is for you to get five for that young child. And after you've passed out your five, take your young child with you and hand out five with them. So they can see mom and dad doing the exact same thing. So I think that will, that's, going to, um, that's going to be a great benefit you know, to, the, to the community, but also um, it, it'll put you know, our church's name out there. Like I said, it's not about the church. Right, but we know that if they come here, that they'll hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. It gives them references where they can go and get answers to life's tough questions that you may not have the answers for. I said this is a tool, okay? This is a means to an end, but not the end in of itself. I think we can use it for that reason as a stepping stone to get us out 
and talking, uh, talking to other people. So the question is, is how many of you would be willing to do it? An actual show of hands. All right. Very good. All right. So, and all you have to do is just go up to someone, say, hi, my name is Billy Bartlett. I'm a member of First Baptist Church. I would like to invite you to our church next Sunday. And this is like, if you have any um, questions to life's hard questions, check this website out. We'd love to see you there. And you can even tell them that they can receive a free gift for showing up. Like I said, it's kind of a gimmick thing, but it's for a one-time purpose, okay, of doing an evangelism event next Sunday morning. And they're, they're, um, so we'll have gifts for all of our first-time visitors. But this is going to get us moving in the right direction. So what do you guys think? All right, so as, as we all stand. Right, good morning again, and um, again, welcome to First Baptist Church. If I could redirect you this morning back to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Everybody hear me clearly? Okay, very good. All right. So we're going to be back in Ephesians chapter 4. Now we're going to be going as a quick review over what we went over last week, and then we'll dive into um, verse 16 specifically and address the, the topic that is put there. But I wanted to take another running start and, uh, and go through this to bring everybody up to the same page and get our mind thinking in the same direction as we go into chapter verse verse 16 and remember last week we um, we went through very briefly there's two specific things that Paul stated was the responsibility of the church in chapter 3 how many of y'all remember what that is all right good well let's let's go over it again all right in verse 10 it's the duty of the church to make the benefit or to make the manifold wisdom of God known okay we are to make God known that is our duty who else is going to do it right besides god's people you can't expect the world to evangelize the world right so it's god's people his children his body of christ who is here on this earth to make god known that is our specific task that we have been called to do is the commission that jesus christ has left for us to to uh, to fulfill also in verse 21 we are to give god glory in the church where we worship no one else nothing else we worship Jesus. Okay, that is that is our object of worship. That is the object of our faith. It is upon Him, of, of, on every work should cling and hold to. Now, then, whenever Paul Paul he described, you know, the responsibilities in, in a couple of different ways in chapter three, in verse chapter in, in chapter four, he goes on. He says, "Now, therefore, I, as the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called." The calling is a big call. It is a respectable call. It is a huge responsibility. That call to make God known to the world is a call to which Paul is saying, look, now you've got this big call. Now I urge you, strongly encourage you to walk worthy of that call. Okay, walk worthy of that call is what we talked about last week, the worthy walk. In verse 2 he says, with all lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering, bearing one another in love, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That was our next thing that we talked about last week, that, that unity. He says, I want you to, I strongly encourage you to walk worthy of the walk. Now, I'm, now you need to endeavor to keep or to, or to strive to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Don't just strive to make unity. Don't just try to get everybody on your team and on your side to agree with you. 
But the qualification of this unity, the standard, the foundation of this unity is found in Christ. It is within the Spirit of God. We have the Spirit of God who dwells within the, in the believers, within his children. It's one Spirit, right? It's one God. So if we are following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, if we're unified in the Spirit, we should always be going the same direction. Does that make sense? All right, if, we have, if we all are submitting ourselves to the single source of the Spirit of God, then we will be un unified. So we, we seek to unify ourselves in the Spirit of Christ. Okay, we, we, the, the Word of God is our foundation. We believe the Word of God is the, is the Word of God. And if you ever have a question of whether or not the Holy Spirit is leading you in one direction or the other, you can rest assured the Holy Spirit will never, ever lead you contrary to what His Word says. Ever. Ever. <laughs> no matter how you may be able to justify it, it will always confirm God's Word. God's Word will always confirm the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So, so that is something that we as a people, not only do we have the Holy Spirit, but we have the Word of God. If we find ourselves in a struggle over an issue, we humble ourselves before the Word of God and the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and we go back and we're unified based on God's Word and His Spirit. It says, there is one body, there is one Spirit, and just as you were called into one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all God's people are called to be in unity. We have no excuse for not being unified um, in this. Verse 7, it goes on to tell us, says, but to each, of, each one of us, given according to the measure of, God's, of, of Christ's gift, therefore he says that when he descended on high, he led captivity captive and gave men gifts. In verse 11, and the, the gifts were, and he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. For what purpose? You know, remember what the purpose was. For the equipping of the saints, right? For the training in ministry to get you ready, to get you confident, to get you standing strong enough in the word of God to where you will be an effective witness for Christ in the culture in which you live. That's what we're here for. We are to encourage one another for that. We are to equip one another for that. If you feel weak, this is where we need to be. And all, but honestly, if we are not equipping you properly, then shame on us. But the purpose of, of the reason why we are still here, the reason why we live in this world is to be a light to the world, to continue the ministry that Jesus Christ left us, and is to evangelize the world. If we're not equipped for it, we don't do it very well. Right? So we need to make sure that we are equipped for it. We need to make sure that we are equipping and training for the ministry. Now we train in the ministry, this is for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body, for the building up of the body of Christ, until you come, till all come to the unity of faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So if you've reached that, you can graduate, you can stay at home, but until then, that's, that is your graduation um, credentials there. Um, in that, but, for, but also, the reason why we, we, train, we train one another, we equip the saints for the ministry, is we don't want them falling away. We don't want them taken away captive by the lives of the world and the deceitful works of the devil. In verse 14, it says, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of the deceitful plotting. Okay, this is a defensive measure 
for us. We know the truth. We learn the truth to expose the lies so we're not deceived by them and follow them. And as we continue, the last thing we talked about last week was to speak the truth in love. This is where the equipping of the saints for the ministry comes into play. This is our active, offensive um, uh, strategy is that we speak the truth in love. And we'll talk about that probably in the future as far as what it means to speak the truth in love. But we are to speak the truth, no doubt. And how do we know the truth? How do we do that? Well, you've been equipped, right? You've been equipped by, uh, you, by those, by those, by those uh, gifts that have been given within the church. And to some, he gave them apostles, prophets, evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping. And now that you've been equipped, that which you've been equipped with, you will go into the world and speak that truth to the world. It says, you may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. Verse 16. It says, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, it causes growth of the body and the edifying of itself. Now clearly what it's telling us here is that if everyone does its part, right? Verse 16 says, for whom the whole is Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together, by which every part supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Now what's the cause? No, no, what's the cause? What's the effect when every part does its share? The next couple words, it causes growth of the body. It causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So this morning we're going to be talking about what to do about church growth. We've asked the question many times, how many of you would like to see First Baptist Church grow? Okay, so about half of you. All right. We'd like to see, we'd like to see First Baptist Church grow. Not for the sake of growing numbers, not so we can pad our, and pad our, um, pad our numbers as we send them off you know, for reports. Not so I can have the ability to go to a pastor's conference and brag about the numbers and, and growth that we have. But if we are growing in numbers, that means usually that God's kingdom is growing and we're doing something right. Now what I would like to, to just talk about is what to do about church growth. Specifically talking about what does it mean to, for all of us to do our share. Okay, to do our part as it comes, as it comes to us in verse 16. Because I would like to see some growth within the body and the edifying of itself in love. Now, whenever we're talking about this, I'm going to go through some, I've gone through quite a bit of research over the last several months in, in trying to look as far as in, in research church growth. And it does seem that everything tends to boil down to the same thing. The, what, what we are finding now is what used to work no longer works. And the things that we think might work would actually cause even some more problems. So what we're going to do is we're going to spend some time going through some things that may have used to work, that we may be trying, trying to lean on and depend on today, that just don't work anymore. All right? Does that sound fair enough? All right, let's see where we are. A few things that, have you, that used to work for churches but no longer does. The first thing is assuming that young adults will come or return. These days are long gone. Used to, whenever attending church was a status quo, it was just something that you did as a, as, as a part of a normal life in the United States. 
whether they're churched or unchurched, usually when someone would get married, they would have children, you would find them looking for a church to go somewhere. That is not the case anymore. Does, it mean, does that mean it has never happened? No, it does not mean that it doesn't ever happen. But it's not a safe assumption to make, well, people are just going to come. Okay, we can expect people to show up. Why? Because that's what everybody does. Well, that may have been the way it used to be, but not anymore. Not, so those days, are, those days are long gone. The average unchurched person doesn't think about going to church any more than the average Christian thinks about going to a synagogue. It's just not on their radar. We live in a different world. We live in a different culture. And the, the, the further we go, the faster it is changing. It is hard to keep up with, with the culture as it is going and growing. So, so what we must not do is we can't assume that families will reach out to us, but we must reach out to them. Carl, you okay, bud? So let's have a word of prayer. We'll, we'll dismiss. And um, if you can give them, give them just a little bit of time next door, and we'll continue our lunch and, um, uh, and do that. So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and we'll be dismissed. Father, we just want to thank you so much for the day. God, we thank you for Jesus. And Father, the situation is happening right now. Father, we pray that your hand would be over it. God, we want to we want to glorify you in this, Father. And Father, I pray that um, those all of, all, of, all of us here uh, can truly be a blessing to you in this moment. Father, we ask the blessing on the meal that we're about to take. And Father, we just want to you know, take the donations that come from that, Father, to to further your kingdom. Again, we want to thank you for Jesus. We thank you for serving you. It's in his name we pray. Amen.